0: Good morning everybody. Um, Before I start, well done for that reading. I mean, I sent the reading through and I said apologise to whoever is reading it because there are a lot of difficult names in there. So you did fantastically well. (laughs) Um, For those that don't know, (laughs) (laughs) it showed, it showed. I don't think I could have read it that well. for those that don't know, my name's Ben. Uh, I am curate at St. James's in Birkdale, but for one week they've let me out and it is my pleasure to be with you here this morning and to speak with, to you, uh, but just to also be with you. Uh, before I speak, let me pray. Father God, I pray that we would hear your voice this morning. Amen. So I believe there are two types of families in this world. Those that write Christmas lists and those that do not write Christmas lists. Is anyone from a family that writes Christmas lists? You write a list of what you want, you preferably include a few links so they can directly buy the exact thing you want. Uh, And there better be a very good reason, if they ever choose, to go off the list you have provided to them. This was the family I grew up in. (coughs) Is anyone here from a family that don't really do Christmas lists? You might tell people kind of what you want, but people will really buy you anything. Writing down a whole list would seem maybe a little bit rude or presumptuous. This is the family my wife grew up in. Now, there's obviously a right way of doing it and a wrong way of doing it. And it took me a while to convince B that she was wrong and I was right. But we are now a Christmas list family. However, my mother-in-law can't keep Christmas lists. One year, she bought me a zebra print candle holder. I'm not the greatest fan of zebras or candles, so I don't really know what that was about. In our family, at Christmas and on, on, and on birthdays, we directly ask for the things we want, and we expect to be given them. Now, Christchurch, you've been doing a series on prayer. And today I'm chatting about the topic of petition. Petition in prayer is simply asking God for something. In the amazing reading we heard, Hannah can't get pregnant. Her husband has another wife who has children, but she is left childless and is deeply upset about this. When the family make the annual trip to the tent of worship in Shiloh, she's in a particularly low place and she cries out to God to give her a child. After this prayer, Eli tells her that God will give her a child. And after a romantic night with her husband, she becomes pregnant and roughly nine months later gives birth to Samuel. Hannah is often held up To be a model of prayer and petition asking God for something yet I am not convinced that Hannah completely understood prayer or found it easy Hannah was probably Elkanah's first wife her name comes before Peninnah which in ancient writing normally means she was the first wife And by the time we reach her story, uh, Peninnah has at least two other children. As in other stories in the Bible, it may be the case that Elkanah married Peninnah because Hannah couldn't get pregnant. In the ancient uh, times, it was really important to continue the family line. And a wife was in some way defined by her ability to produce children, particularly sons. It seems that this childlessness had been with Hannah for a number of years. And when she goes to worship in Shiloh, I don't think this would have been the first time she's been upset, depressed and crying out to God. I suspect much of her married life had been defined by this sadness. In previous years visiting Shiloh, she would have prayed about this. I don't think this is the first time that Hannah has come to God in tears. Yet this time God gives her a child and all the other times he didn't. I'm not sure this time would have been much different for Hannah. I suspect she'd maybe even made vows before. I'm certain she would have poured out her soul before. But this time God gives her what she asks for. I'm not completely sure I understand prayer. I'm not sure I understand why God sometimes says yes and at other times says no. Sometimes, in hindsight, it makes sense, but at other times it doesn't. I know that I don't always find prayer easy. I wish there was a formula for prayer. Say these things with these certain feelings this amount of times and God will give you what you ask for. But there isn't a formula for prayer. There isn't a secret method for getting what we want out of God. God is a person, not a genie. And so as we explore prayer together this morning and as we explore this story, as you reflect on your answered and unanswered prayers, know that Hannah didn't have it all figured out. I don't have it all figured out, and I'm not sure I know anyone who does. I think we are all quick to assume others have an easy prayer life, can hear God and fully understand how creation can communicate with their creator. It's easy to compare ourselves to others, and think we're maybe the only ones who don't really get prayer and find it quite difficult. Hannah found prayer difficult. I often find prayer difficult. Don't feel guilty or give up if you find it difficult too. I suspect in previous weeks as you've looked on prayer, others have chatted about uh, prayer and they've said that prayer changes us. As we pray, we are in some way shaped by God. We are comforted by God and we get to know God. Hannah went to God depressed, bitter and in tears. And she came out with a sense of peace and hope. Prayer changes us. But prayer also changes the world. Prayer is not simply the Christian version of meditation. Prayer changes Things. When we ask God for things, this isn't some form of venting to God to try and feel better. We believe that God can change things, situations, people, communities, churches, wars, famines, governments. We believe that God can change things. Or do we really? Deep down, do we really think prayer works? And if we did, would we be praying more? When I write my Christmas list, it's a bit of a struggle for me. And I'm a fairly difficult person to buy presents for. The problem is that I don't really want a lot in life. And when I want something, I just buy it for myself. I've reached that age. So when it comes to Christmas... I don't really want anything because everything I have wanted that year, and it's not a lot, I've already bought it for myself. I've sorted myself out. I wonder if this is how we treat God. God, I will just sort myself out. We have this secret deal with God where we say to God, you know what, God, I can do most things by myself. And if I can't, well, then I'll have a plan A and a plan B and a plan C and a plan D. And I'll try them all first. And then if they don't work, maybe, God, you can be my plan E. Uh, But I hope to never have to ask you for anything. Prayer becomes an afterthought. It gets put to the back of our mind, And only when we've tried all other options will we think about trying to pray. For Hannah... Prayer was her plan A, B, C, D, and E. In a world without modern medicine, prayer was her only option. She was dependent on God. When she asked God for a child, God is her only hope. I wonder why we often relegate God to plan E. I think one of the reasons is that we live in a world that prizes independence, people that can take care of themselves, people that don't need the help and the support of others. And this ever so easily transfers into our relationship with God and how and when we talk to him. We ever so easily try to do life on our own, and God is an afterthought at best. But I think the deeper reason has to do with who we think God is what we believe about God. We suspect that maybe God can't answer our prayers. God might be able to do those little things, but curing cancer and stopping wars are way too big for God. Even if he can answer our prayers, deep down we're scared that God won't listen to us. God's too busy for us. God's got too many other things going on. And even if he will listen to us and he has the power to change things, we fear that God just doesn't care about us. God cares maybe about those holy people and he might answer their prayers, but God doesn't care about me. The way we pray, the times we ask God or don't ask God for something reflects our view of God. Is our God too small that he can't answer our prayers? Is our God too busy that he doesn't have the time to listen to us? Is our God apathetic towards us? I believe in a God who created the universe, that the sound of his voice ocean still, that holds the power of life and death in his hands, and that can do anything. I believe in a God who can hear the sound of screams and the sound of laughter at the same time and listens to all of creation. And I believe in a God that loves each and every one of us, who would and has done anything to be with us and who always wants wants the best for us, no matter our past. Our God is bigger than we think. He has more time for us than we assume. And he loves us more than we could ever imagine. The way we pray or don't pray reflects our view of God. Hannah was dependent on God. The God that was bigger than her childlessness and listened and loved her. The God that was her plan A. Hannah was also persistent in prayer. As I said earlier, this undoubtedly wasn't the first time that Hannah had asked God for a child. I suspect she had asked God many, many times over many years for a child. Prayer is sometimes not a one-and-done activity. It is a conversation with God. It is part of a relationship with God. Sometimes when you ask God for something, it will happen immediately. Sometimes it might never happen. And at other times, it's about being persistent in prayer. Keep on asking. Keep on talking to God about it. Keep on crying out to God. And as your continual prayer echoes in God's mind, he acts within the world. I suspect that Hannah didn't know why God couldn't have answered her prayer on the first time. It would have saved her a lot of heartache. But as we keep building prayers on top of prayers, as we keep coming back to God, as we keep knocking on God's door, sometimes he gives us what we ask for. It doesn't always work. There is no magic formula in prayer. I wonder if you have given up praying for something. And I wonder this morning if God is beckoning you to come back and ask him about it again and again and again. Keep coming back to the God we trust when it is easy and also when it is difficult. Keep asking, keep seeking and keep knocking. The phrase that most captures my attention in this story is when Eli accuses Hannah of being drunk. And Hannah replies that I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. For me, this portrays something of the essence of petition. Hannah prayed about what she was worried, stressed, sad and upset about. Hannah didn't come to God and say a perfectly formed, elaborate prayer. Instead, she was honest with God. She didn't try to hide her emotions or worries. She came to God as she was and prayed about what was on her mind. I wonder how we come to God. Do we come to God as the real us, whatever that looks like on the day? Or do we try and play a character for God, pretending everything is okay, praying about the things we think we should be praying about and pretending other things just don't exist? It is possible to lead a whole life thinking we have to pray a certain way. We have to be in a particular mood to pray. We have to have been particularly holy that day to pray. We have to pray about particular things. Hannah shows us that we can come to God however we are. With everything that has happened to us, everything that we have done, everything we feel, our broken dreams, our audacious hopes, our private doubts. God knows everything about us. I'm going to imagine it's going to be pretty difficult to slip something past an all knowing and all present God, just a wild guess. When we know that God cares about us, we don't need to pretend to be someone we're not. When we trust God, we can be vulnerable with Him. One word of vulnerability and honesty in prayer is worth a million empty words. I wonder if you've got anything in your past or your present that you haven't talked to God about. And maybe over the next few days, you might want to grab a moment to have an honest chat with God. The story of Hannah's prayer fits into a much bigger story. It may seem that Hannah is weighed down by cultural expectations and values. And this child is an isolated answer to prayer. But this child is part of God's bigger story. The God who brings comfort out of tears, life out of death, hope out of despair. This was true for Hannah as an individual, but also for Israel, God's people. Hannah asked God for a child, and God gave his people a future. Samuel, her child, grew up to become a priest, prophet, and leader. It is Samuel who anoints Saul to be king, and then when Saul went astray, it is Samuel that rebukes him. It is Samuel who then anoints the youngest and smallest member from Jesse's family, David, as king. And it is through his family that God works to restore peace to Israel. And it is through his family that Jesus comes to restore peace to this world. God weaves his story through our prayers. This is true for us as individuals, but it is also true for us as a church. For Christ's church. A church that prays is a church that seeks to be part of the story God is writing in Southport. A church that prays is a church that is dependent on God. A church that prays is a church that is vulnerable before God. Does Christchurch want to be part of God's story in Southport? Then pray. Pray. Does Christchurch want to be dependent on God? Then pray. Does Christchurch want to be vulnerable before God? Then pray. Pray in different ways. Pray at different times. Pray with different people. Pray when everything is going well and pray when everything is falling apart. Corrie Ten Boom said this. When a train goes through a tunnel, it gets dark. You don't throw away the ticket and jump off. You sit still and trust the engineer. As a church, trust God to lead you. Trust God to invite you into his plans. Trust God to be with you, but don't get tired of praying. Finally, the last thing I want to chat about this morning is something that's going to be covered later in the prayer course, but I just want to touch on it today. What happens when God doesn't answer our prayer? This story tells of a couple who couldn't have a child. Hannah prayed to God, and after a while, God gave her a child. Yet there are people in this world There may be even people in this room that can't or couldn't have a child and they prayed and they cried and God didn't answer their prayer. There'll be people here who lost someone they loved far too early or went through a traumatic experience or couldn't do something or have dealt with pain and illness and they have cried out to God And God didn't answer. And this story sort of rubs salt into an open wound. Why did God answer Hannah's prayer and not mine? Unfortunately, I have no good answers for you. As I said at the beginning, I'm not sure I understand prayer. I'm not sure why some people get a yes and other people get a no. Even though I'm unsure about prayer, I am convinced by one thing. In the story, Hannah asks God to remember her. And then later it says that God remembered her. For Hannah, that meant that God provided her with a child. But I think there's a bigger point. And this is what I'm convinced by. God remembers us. We are seen and heard by God. We are not alone. God is not apathetic towards us. We may not get everything we ask for, but don't mistake that for an absent or uncaring God. Whatever you have gone through, or are going through, or will go through, God is there. In the pain and the tears, In the anger and in the confusion, in the doubts and in the hope, in the prayers, God is there. God remembers you. God will always remember you. I don't always understand prayer, but I'm convinced that in this life, we might not get everything we want. We may suffer. We may walk through the valley of the shadow of death but God is with us and God will remember us. God will always remember you. Let me pray. Father God, we come here this morning. We come here with with prayers we've prayed. Um, We come here with emotions and experiences of prayer. And we come here with a picture of you. I pray that this morning, whoever we are, whatever we've been through, whatever we have prayed in our life, and however that has been answered, I pray that we would know you are with us. And I pray particularly this morning for for people that that have maybe struggled with that, that maybe have struggled with the times that they prayed and nothing happened. And that pain and that hurt still haunts them in the present. And they still wonder, where were you, God? And I pray that this morning that they would know that God was with them both in that moment and now, and that God will always remember them. Amen.